We could never go before God and say, God, you owe it to me to save me because of all this stuff I've done. Not one bit of that could we do. We don't deserve one bit of it. But yet he chose to love us and to offer us salvation through his son. And if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your savior. It's our hope before this service is over that God will work on your heart and show you that need. And we would rejoice in it with you and help you any way that we can. We'd love the opportunity to take God's word and show you how you can know for sure before you leave here today that you're on your way to heaven. And to get that matter settled before it's eternally too late. And certainly a joy to have everybody here today. It's good to have Brother Dick Frost with us. And we're not going to eat up a lot of his time. Most all of us know him by this time. And if you don't know him, get a chance to meet him and greet him after the service. I promise you he'll be a refreshment to you and encouragement to you. And he's going to come bring our message for the hour. Brother Frost. Good morning, everybody. Good to be back with you again. I uh, enjoyed coming here. And uh, I remember we preached a revival here, I think, uh, three years ago, I believe it was, two or three years ago. And uh, got the chance to meet many of you then. Be here, be with you. And it's good to be back with you again uh, this year. Don't know how many more years the Lord's going to allow me to do this. I'm coming up on 91 years old, and so... uh, uh, things change along the way as you get a little bit older. But, uh, the Lord's been good and granted me good health and strength and uh, along the way. I get tired of driving. Man, when I got here after driving the other day, it's a rat race out there on the road anymore. And uh, so I got kind of tired of driving. But I appreciate you all, appreciate you being faithful to the house of God. I want to encourage you. We're talking about soul winning here and some of these things along the way this morning in the Sunday school hour and then now in the introduction. Each of us, we talk about building a church. Visitation. The pastor will talk about visitation. I've learned along the way. I pastored for 17 years. God didn't let me stay long in the church. He let me about four years and four years, and then the last church, he let me stay nine years. And then he put me in mission work. And so I try to incorporate in mission work in our missionaries the things I learned as a pastor because missionaries are building churches. And I've learned that I, the very first church I was at was a small church. And I think the Lord starts you out somewhere along the way to test you to see what it would be like. We had 14 that first time. Four of them was my family. You see, that's not much of church. Well, yes, that's, that's the Lord's church. Making a difference how big or how little, it's the Lord's. And so we need to understand that. But I won somebody to the Lord that week. I was out to, got to visit, and I, uh, I'm, I'm country boy. And so I was strictly among mountain people on my first church pastoring. So I put on a white shirt and a tie, my bib overalls. I like my bib overalls. I've got three or four pair out here in the truck. I like, still wear them. And Dan will tell you that. I still wear them, the bib overalls. I like them. So I was out visiting that day, and, and I come across the farmer. Out, I, was, I was driving along. I saw him out in the field. He was broke down trying to get his equipment to working. So I walked out there across there to him, and I talked to him a little bit about the Lord. And he said, well, I'm broke down. said, I don't have time to do this, don't have time to do that. And 
I said, what's wrong? He told me what he thought was wrong. He said, I can't get it fixed today. I said, well, I'm kind of a mechanic a little bit. Grew up on the farm. I said, I'll get my toolbox. So I went back to the car and got my toolbox and got his equipment fixed and got him working, got him planting again. And all the time I was talking to him about the Lord, trying to lead him to the Lord. He wasn't really interested. And I said, tell you what, uh, will you come to church Sunday morning? He said, oh, yes, I'll come. said, you help me? Yes, I'll come. I said, oh, I'd bring somebody with you. So he didn't bring just somebody. He brought four more with him. Now, that Sunday morning, we had two folks got saved. I told those two folks right there and those of the others, I said, right, now you got saved. Now, you bring somebody. Do you know somebody that is not saved? So you bring them next week. And they began to multiply. And God built that church through the people, each of you bringing somebody. So if everybody here would bring somebody tonight, Wednesday night, next Sunday morning, if everybody would keep bringing somebody, you'd pack this house out. In four years, that little building, we were, we were bulging. We had, we had the church plumb full. We had preacher boys surrendered to preach. We had a lot of young folks, teachers, uh, school teachers surrendered to the Lord. And that they would teach the Word of God in the, in the school. They could back then. That's been a long time ago. I'm, you know how old I am. But anyway, so that built that church. And then uh, God built that church through the people. The people. God worked through the people. God will work through you individually. That's how you build a church. We build it through God working. And God uses the pastor to preach the Word of God to teach them and to raise them there. And so that's how what happened there. So God moved me to another church. There was about 60 that day. See, God moved me up a little bit. So God moved me into a church that had about 60 like that. And they were... Uh, I really don't know how to describe them too well. They were still mountain folks, but they were over in West Virginia. Good folks, good mountain people over there in West Virginia. And they were kind of... Uh, hard-headed, would that be a good way to word and to still be polite, maybe? And they were satisfied, so to speak, in a way, in their 60s group, had a brand new big church, or brick building, big church, and they, they were just, you know, didn't, didn't fill it no way near. So I encouraged them, taught them the same thing that I taught over in the first church. You visit. You bring somebody. They started bringing somebody. In the four years, we hit 388 in that building. Bulged it out. Had to do some building. God moved me from that to another church that had another 60. And so I incorporated the same thing in them. You bring the people, and God will save them. We'll preach to them, and God will save them. Oh, I did visiting, yes. I did. You don't ever get out of the business of visiting. That's always there. There's hospitals, there's nursing homes, and there's there's shut-ins, and then there's others. There's always visiting that the pastor's busy. They're visiting visiting 24 hours a day. I pastored, so I know what it is. Pastor's on call 24 hours a day. Well, the last church then, God built that, and uh, a little over 400, and we had to do some building twice to accommodate that because it started with a small building. So we had to build twice there on that one. Then God moved me into mission work, and I've been involved in missions now for the last 41 years, full-time. I've been involved in missions all the time in the last 60 years. 
I've never quit. I, while pastoring, I enjoyed mission work. Uh, God, uh, Dr. Robinson called me in on the, in, in the in, uh, beginning of BIMI, and then he recommended me down to Dr. Everett to, for the beginning of Macedonia World Baptist Mission. So I've been involved in helping start two mission boards, mission boards, and involved missionaries. God has permitted me, strictly the Lord, to work in people and places of 20 different countries. Isn't that something? An old country boy grew up out down in, the, down in the woods back over here, about 19 miles over here. Never thought I'd ever, never thought I'd ever see anything like that in my life. But God has, has started me a little bit and kept moving me on. And God will bless you if you'll just be faithful. If you'll be faithful. And it's through your visitation that will build a church. It really is. It's through your visitation that we'll build a church. Pastor will do everything he can do, and he'll preach the Word of God. But it's the visitation of the people, because your testimony is what's standing out in the community. That's what will bring people in. So be faithful in visiting, talking to people, and bringing them out. All right, turn with me, Will, to 1 Samuel chapter 3 this morning. And let's pray before we do the reading. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. For your blessings of just another new day you've given us, Lord. Uh, we thank you for that. And we thank you for the sunshine that you've given us today. We ask you, Lord, for the bless, continue to bless, uh, Lord, here in the church. Each one that has need this morning physically, but most of all spiritually in every heart and in every life. Lord, you know our need this morning. Need the wisdom and the power of the Holy Ghost of God to preach the Word of God this morning, Lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so speak to hearts. May they have a spiritual ear and listen, Lord, in a very special way to the preaching of God's Word this morning. May it deal with their hearts in a very special way. The lost to be saved, but bound to be somebody here that's lost. Normally there's not that big a crowd here, but what somebody here needs to be saved. And Christians need to be revived and stirred and surrender their life. They need to get to the altar here at the time of the invitation and just ask God to bless them and use them if they really mean business with you. And so, Lord, I'd ask you to bless now in this service this morning. Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory because we love you, Lord. We want to serve you. And we thank you for all your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, in the first two chapters of 1 Samuel, you find something took place there. There was a man by the name of Elkanah. His wife's name was two of them. He had Hannah and Penina. And so Penina had a lot of children, but Hannah had no children at all, and it grieved her back in those days. A, a woman, uh, she was grieved that she was not able to bear children. And so she was grieving because she had, God had closed up her womb. She was not able to bear children. And she wanted children. That's the normal, natural thing of a lady. She wants children. I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to tell you what this called down in, what is said down in the islands. Throughout many of the islands, when a woman doesn't have any children, she's married and doesn't, is not able to have, they call her a mule. Yeah, that's, that's cruel, but that's what, what they call them because, you know, mules don't reproduce. And so they, that's what they, so a woman is kind of cast out, so to speak. And that was Hannah. Uh, Hannah decided she was uh, not blessed of God. And so she, in their yearly go to, uh, to worship, uh, Jerusalem to worship every year, she finally went there and she was, was praying. And the priest Eli saw her praying, saw her moving her mouth. 
but not, didn't hear her in the voice that she said. And so he rebuked her and accused her of being drunk. She said, oh, no, no, I'm not drunk. She said, I'm making my vows to the Lord. She said, I'm talking to the Lord right now. She said, I don't have any children. She said, I'm vowing a vow to God. Lord, I'd like to have a man-child. And Lord, if you'll give me a man-child, I'll devote that man-child to you for all his life. He'll work for you, Lord. In your business. And so Eli said, all right. Eli was the high priest there. And so Eli said, all right. said, God, do to you what your request has been known. And so Hannah prayed and asked for that child, man-child. Now in chapter 3, then, that brings you up to chapter 3. Those, that is a close summary of those two first chapters there. Now in chapter 3, if you look at it with me, beginning in verse 1, it says, And the child Samuel ministered. Now Samuel has been born. In chapter 2, we find the channel has been born, and she was supposed to go uh, and, and to uh, worship with uh, uh, Elkanah. And she said, no. She said, I have to wean him first. I have to wean my son first, Samuel first. And then I'll take him to the Lord. When he is able, then he, when he starts growing get up a child, I'll take him give him to the Lord there. So now he's weaned, and she brought him down in the last part of chapter 2. She has brought him to the high priest at Jerusalem there, and she's put him there, and she said, For this child I prayed. And God answered her prayer. And if you find in those chapters there, also chapters, God not only blessed her with the one child, Samuel, which she dedicated and gave to the Lord, but gave her three more boys and two girls. Isn't that something? She invested her life with one, and God gave her back five. We need to understand how God blesses in a special way. And so we need to understand what to, how God wants to bless you. And so we get back to the first one here. And there it says, The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before the Lord, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. My soul, how I stop and realize I look around and I travel, I say how precious the word of the Lord is because so few people are standing to the word of God. Pastor says something about why are you a Baptist? Well, I'm saved, number one, through the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. I belong to Baptist Church because I believe we're the closest denomination there is to the Word of God. And Second John says, if any, bring, if any bring not this doctrine, what is that doctrine? The doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, the crucifixion death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sin, the blood atonement through the Lord Jesus if anybody bring not that doctor to you, bid him not, don't let him in your house and bid him no, don't bid him Godspeed, because if you bid him Godspeed, then you're partaker of his evil deeds. And so we need to be careful who, where we're at like that and realize the doctrine of, of our, what we believe is the uh, uh, virgin birth, the life, the death and the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the resurrection, and the shed blood on the cross of Calvary for our sin. There is no other way. John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Many times Jesus, you'll find that throughout the Gospels there, Jesus makes it plain who he is and what he is. And that's the only way there is to heaven is through the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts twenty twenty eight tells you the same thing. Washing his blood. Revelation chapter one and verse five. Washing his blood. And there's this chapter after chapter and verse after verse. To get you to understand that the blood of Jesus Christ pays for our sin. Full on the cross of Calvary. 
So we need to understand it. And so we find that's not what all is being preached today in our daily walk of life. I wish it was. My heart breaks. Uh, we've got four missionary men in the United States that are traveling across the United States in sections. Brother Wester Hutchins has the northwest. We've got another man down in the southwest. Uh, another one down in the south. We've got another one on the east. They are trying to revive small churches. Because some people say, well, I don't like going to small. I'm going over to a big church. I won't be noticed over there. That's why they go. And so the little church begins to die. You get busy. Don't let this church die. Keep this church going and win it. Let's win souls and build it up. Full. And as a result of these, our missionaries are trying to catch, get people, uh, preachers to come in. Uh, some of them are retired and trying to get some of them from school and get them in to these uh, other areas of, of small churches. You go down to the Chattanooga area right now. In Chattanooga, Tennessee, down in that area, there are several small churches just closed the door. People just walked away. And, and so, and there, uh, oh, listen, folks, we need to pray. We need to pray that God will bless because the word of the God is, is precious. And so folks are hungry to hear the word of God. If you just talk to them about Jesus, they'll listen to you. You're not listening. They're not interested in anything else. So talk to them about Jesus. Well, then it came to pass in that, at that time, when Eli laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim, and he could not see. And there the lamp of God went out in the temple of the, of, the, of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I call not, my son. Go lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, this little boy yet. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Here he was at the priest. And the priest, high priest, was doing his job. And if you read on, read on, go ahead and read the first two chapters in this chapter and go on for another chapter, you find Eli's sons were wicked. Eli was not even teaching his own children what to do. Parents, you have a real big responsibility. The first five years of your children will lay the foundation for what they're going to believe and do the rest of their lives. Study the Word of God. It's very plain. It's very plain. The first five years of their, of, uh, of their life, you're laying the foundation for what they be, where they'll go, what kind of an individual they'll be, whether they'll be good or bad, a thief or honest or so forth. The first five years is laying the foundation for that child's life, for the rest of its life. So be careful and be sure to train your children properly here. All right. And said, and... And he said, go lay down again. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. 
And he answered, I called not my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli answered, that the perceived that the Lord had called the child. Eli suddenly waking up. Here's the high priest. He's been asleep all this time. He's done everything wrong. Nothing been done right. He's let the lamp at the temple go out. That's not supposed to be. You go back and check out, and that lamp was supposed to be burning continually. And he was supposed to have been instructing Samuel to keep that lamp, the oil in there, and that lamp burning. He had not been doing things right in the temple of the Lord, in the house of the Lord. And here he is now. He's, he's about asleep. From finally, he is waking up to the fact that God is trying to talk to uh, uh, Samuel. Then Eli said, Samuel, go lie down. And if he called thee, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant here. So Samuel went and lay down on, in the place. And the Lord came and stood. I like that. I like that phrase. The Lord came and stood. You find that several times in the gospel. Jesus stood still. The Lord stood. And here he is again. And the, and the Lord came and stood and called us at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak for thy servant here. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing on Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In the day I will perform against Eli all things that I, which I have spoken concern his house when I begin. I will also make an end. Now, the thing I'm really concerned about this morning is the three times that God called Samuel. And every time Eli said, go lay down again. And so I titled that, go on back to sleep. And how often our church members go on back to sleep. I'm talking about folks that know the Lord, folks that are saved, folks that come to church, so hopefully, regularly. You go to sleep if you're not awful careful when God's trying to work with you, when God's trying to do something through you. You go to sleep when God has called you, but you lay down, you get a little lazy and say, well, I don't have time for this, or well, I this, and well, and begin to make excuses. Moses made excuses and it didn't work. There's a lot of excuses in the Word of God that people try to do, and it doesn't work, does it? Joseph never made an excuse for what God was putting him through to test him. Making a difference what Joseph did or what, the Lord, what, what Joseph had to do there. And he was faithful to the Lord at all times. And so we need to understand that God wants us to be faithful in everything that he instructs us to do. And so, <coughs> excuse me. So we need to understand here that the light has gone out. Let me ask you, has the light of ambition, scriptural, spiritual ambition gone out in your life? Are you concerned about talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you concerned about your, some of your lost family? If I was to ask you to raise your hand, probably everybody in here has got a member of your family somewhere along the way. Probably close to within driving distance of this church that's still lost. Hey, listen, folks, they're going to hell. If we can ever convince you, if you can ever get convinced that the Word of God is true, then you'll understand that hell is real. 
The reason folks don't really get concerned is because they're not really concerned about whether hell is real or not, because they don't study the Word of God, and sometimes you have questions about the Word of God. That's why you need to be faithful in the house of God, studying the Word of God, so that you realize the Word of God is true. Mankind has tested the Word of God for hundreds of years, thousands of years, and it has stood true all the way through. The, Jesus referred back to the Old Testament. Paul referred back to the Old Testament. The Word of God has stood its test throughout thousands of years and still is true. It still is the Word of God. It is actual. Everything that is taking place today in our world around us today is already prophesied in this book. If you know anything about this book at all, and you know anything about what's happening right now, and what's being talked about, about the wars and all these things that are taking place, then you know it's all right here in this book right here already, in the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God and understand that hell is real, heaven is real, and if they don't get saved, if they don't know Jesus Christ as the Savior, they're going to hell. Not for just a little while. Not just to be burned up or burn up their 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 uh, sin and then they'll go go to heaven too. No, no. Now there's some false cults out today. Will tell you that and they're prevalent. They're running wild today. There are lots of them everywhere. So be careful who you talk to. There's uh, one false cult that's going around right now. In fact, there's two or three that are under different names. They say, well, if you die, if you, if you never get saved, then all your sin will just be burnt off, and, and, and then you'll, everybody will go to heaven after that. Mm-mm. That's not so. That's not so. The Bible says they'll go into hell, and they'll burn forever and forever and forever. No letting up. No, they'll be there for all eternity. Just the same as when we go to heaven, we die, we're going to be in heaven forever and forever. So you better recognize that and work up to the fact, the fact that folks need to realize hell is real. And if you realize hell is real, you'll get concerned about your lost loved ones. You'll get concerned about your neighbor that's out mowing the yard on Sunday or gone fishing on Sunday or doing something else or not doing anything, maybe just staying in bed all day Sunday. You'll get concerned about them because they're going to hell, folks, if they're not saved. So get them to understand it. Don't let your spiritual lights go out. Samuel here let the light go out in the, in the temple there. And so many Christian people within our churches have let their spiritual lights go out. And you quit being concerned about the lost folks around you. You quit being concerned about your neighbors, your loved ones, and so on. Keep your spiritual lights Lit and active, fresh and doing things. Are you all understanding me plain this morning? I hope I'm talking plain. I'm trying to. Uh, I had a little accident here about the last couple of months or so. I had the operation on my eye. Uh, I had this one operated on the them and then went to this one, and they didn't do everything right. And I ended up out on a, uh, on a tile floor. It mashed my face, my nose, broke out all these teeth and all this thing. And just this last week, the swelling's gone down out of my face. My eyes aren't black anymore. And I got a plate in my mouth because it broke out all these teeth across here. So I'm trying, I hope I can talk plain to you. So that you, under, you have to learn to talk all over again when something like that happens. So I hope you're understanding me. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying this morning, folks? Shake your head yes or no. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, I hope you do, because that makes a difference in the world. 
If I talk and I talk too fast or I don't get talk too plain, just kind of wave your hand and wave at me and say, slow down a little bit, and I'll try to slow down a little bit so that you understand what I'm saying. Well, Eli became indifferent in the house of God to his responsibility his place of leadership, his place of doing anything along the way. And we've got to recognize that our Christian people within our churches become indifferent to what they're supposed to be doing. We've gone long in our daily walk of life, and we do this, we do that, and we kind of, well, we, we do pretty good on Sunday morning, maybe. And then some folks forget they've got some idol they want to watch for Sunday night, and they forget to come back to church on Sunday night, and they go worship idols on Sunday night rather than coming back to church. Hmm? Say amen or oh me, folks. You know it, and I'm not telling you the truth. And that's why a lot of folks don't come back on Sunday night. They've got an idol that they worship on Sunday night. So come back to the house of God where you're supposed to be here. This is where you're going to learn something. Stay in the house of God. Stay with pastor in the Word of God. Eli had forgotten what everything proclaimed about that lamp. And so Christian people forget what the spiritual life in you proclaims out to people in the community. The spiritual life in you proclaims something out there. Either you're alive for God and you're doing something for the Lord and the people see that, or your spiritual lamp has gone out and it's not doing anything, and you still are proclaiming something to the people. You're telling the people it really doesn't matter. That it does matter. It does matter. So you need to be faithful to the house of the Lord. Well, there was no indication in Eli's life, if you'll notice there, that he had any intent of relighting that lamp. What do you mean, preacher? Well, for instance, when I preached this morning, I don't know. Have you ever thought, I hope you'll think about relighting the lamp. I hope there'll be folks at the altar Sunday morning in the invitation. When the preacher preaches and he preached the Word of God to you, there should be an indication or desire in your heart and your life to have that lamp relit, so to speak, and to really have a desire to get busy for God. Why do I have to come forward? Well, because it's a commitment. That's why. Jesus brought people forward. It's a commitment. That's why somewhere along the way, you're going to have to commit yourself, either for the Lord or for the devil, one of the two. There's no in-between. There's no halfway in-between. You're going, you're going to serve the Lord or you're going to serve the devil. Look, Romans chapter 6 and verse 16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Back at the verse 13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but rather yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So you see, the Word of God tells you what to do. And children roll on and read those verses 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. You'll find those verses tell you, now, you're lost before you get saved. And then when you get saved, you don't have anything to brag about of what you did in, 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 in when you was lost. And there's no fruit for you for while you were lost. But when you get saved, you should be bringing forth fruit. And so you're supposed to remind people that the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we need to understand what God's trying to tell us throughout the Word of God. Uh, Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost of God. And so, uh, there's no indication in the Word of God here that Samuel had any intention of going back and lighting that lamp again. Nothing is said about him ever relighting that lamp. And I pray this morning that somehow what I say and what the preacher says when he preaches to you will create within you a desire spiritually to relight that spiritual lamp in your heart and in your life that the community can understand it, your friends and your lost loved ones can understand you've relit that you, through a commitment to the Lord, you have asked God to relight that spiritual light in your life that you'd be a blessing to them and a blessing to the church and a blessing to the community. See, that's what it's all about, folks. It's winning souls. It's winning souls. That's what our missionaries do. That's all they do. I don't talk, as I instruct them what to do, they go out and I, I try to get them to do what I did in those three churches I pastored. And our missionaries have learned that. They've learned that, that it works. It works. So if you'll visit, if you'll bring in folks, you'll find this church will be full. In two years' time, you can, you can crowd the walls. It'll take you two years to do it. But in two years, you can crowd the walls here if you'll be busy. God will bless that many. There's that many folks around here, folks. Don't tell me they're not here. I drove around through here. I have driven around through this community and looked, and there's people everywhere. The woods are full of them. Yeah. There's people everywhere. There's more than enough to fill this church twice over. Just here, right here close by. Get busy. Get that spiritual lamp lit. Well, next thing I noticed is that we need to have the vision of, of God. Uh, I like what Isaiah had, had the vision of seeing folks saved. I like Paul, when he got saved, that's the first thing he did. He went out and started winning souls. There's no substitute, folks. For winning souls, no substitute for the spiritual life. There's a, uh, we need to be uh, persistent uh, in our daily walk of life. But you know what Eli had done? He had traded his position for the power of God. And if we're not careful, that'll happen in our daily walk of life. I find this in preachers as I travel. There's a lot of preachers, boy. Pastor, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Some of them, man, I mean, they're really, oh boy, they're, and they've got the doctor's degree, they've got this and they've got that. Well, uh, a professor came to me years ago, several years ago, said, Brother Frost, said, I've looked over all your education, said, I need you to, if you'll come and attend one, the opening day and, and two or three days in the first week of a semester. And I'll give you some stuff so you can go over. And if you'll come spend about three days in the last week of a semester, he said, uh, you can have an earned doctor's degree with what you've got. You've got the education. I said, no, thank you, doctor. Professor, I said, I don't want that. I, he said, why not? I said, I'm looking and watching it now. I said, this doctor business is going to ruin independent Baptist churches and preaching. They'll get to where if you don't have that doctor's degree, they won't let you preach. 
I didn't realize then how fully, completely I was telling that because preachers where I used to preach a revival meeting regularly every year and a mission conference regularly every year. And I, I used to be busy uh, uh, 11, out of the, out of the, 11 out of the 12 months of the year I used to be busy. Those preachers won't even let me in on Wednesday night to preach. <laughs> They've got their doctor's degree now. There's nothing wrong with that if that doesn't get a hold of them. Eli had traded his position for the power of God. And that's what some preachers are doing today. And that's why we've got the problems in our churches today. They're trading their position for the power of God. There's nothing but the power of God that works, folks. Only the power of God. And so let's be faithful in giving that out. Go on back to sleep. Are you going on back to sleep? Are you going on back to sleep on faithful church attendance? Are you going on back to sleep in your faithful giving to the house of God? Now, this church has been a giving church. I love the you. So I love the way you all give. This is a good church, a giving church. I, I dare say most of you in here probably give probably uh, more than 10, probably more than maybe 20% of your income into this church here for your church work and for the missions, and that's wonderful. Keep it up. Keep it up. That's why God will bless you. God will bless you. God will bless you. You can. God will spread eight-tenths of your income where you can't put ten-tenths of it. I don't understand God's arithmetic, but I know it works. I've tried it, and I've tried it. God says, try me here with and prove me, see, if I won't tell you. And so you prove God. It'll work. It'll work. Don't, don't, try, to, don't, try, to cut, uh, don't try to cut God short. It doesn't work like that. So be faithful. Right, have you gone back to sleep in your faithful giving? Have you gone back to faithful and gone back to sleep in your church attendance? Have you gone back to sleep in revival attendance? Have you gone back to sleep in mission work? What have you gone back to sleep on? Have you gone back to sleep and not just talking to people about Jesus? Don't go on back to sleep. That's what this story is about. Eli traded his position for the power of God, lost communication with God, and told Samuel, go on back to sleep. Your pastor preaches the Word of God to try to keep you from going on back to sleep. And if you're not saved, I tell you this morning, you're asleep to your spiritual need. Because hell is real. And I, yes, as preachers are preaching, are we close to the end of time? I believe we are. I don't know how close we may be to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the shout and the voice of the archangel and the Lord to catch ever saved out. We'll be gone. And the lost will be here. If you're lost, you'll be left here. Because you believe the lie and had pleasure and received not the truth. And you go through some terrible, some terrible things. Read the book of Revelation. The terrible things that will take place upon this earth. The judgment of God on this earth is going to take place completely and totally in the seven-year period of tribulation. You need to be saved. The only way you can get saved is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. How can I know Him, preacher? Well... Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I've tried to preach you this word of mine, that Jesus Christ this morning, that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. God in the flesh. And so we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, 
It says, for God, he, God, made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. He took upon himself all of your sin and all of my sin. And if you'll read the book, ninth chapter of Hebrews, he took upon the sin of the whole world. For every sacrifice that was made all back in the Old Testament, all the time, Jesus suffered for every one of those sacrifices on the cross. And he suffered that and paid the price for those sins and your sin and my sin on the cross of Calvary. Once for all forever. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is a word of faith that we're preaching. It's an exercise of faith. It's not a works. You can't work it way. There's not enough money to buy it. There's not enough works to do the job. For by grace are you saved through faith and not by yourselves, not by your works. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For there's no difference between the Jew and the great, the same Lord is over all who will believe. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. S-A-V-E-D. What is saved from what? Saved from hell, number one. Saved from paying the price of your sinfulness, your sinful nature. You're born to sin nature, same as I was. We're born of the sinful nature, folks. Adam left us with that. That's why you sin. You're not a sinner because you sinned. You sin because you're a sinner. So you need to understand that. And so Jesus paid the price for that. And when you will confess to the Lord, you realize you're lost. Maybe, maybe I can explain it a little quickly, right? Uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter, uh, made a profession of faith when she was 11 years old, was baptized, joined the church and everything, went to a Christian school, graduated from temple, I mean, and come back home and had a good job. And she and her boyfriend that met at Temple and they got married. Been married about two years, had a little girl. The prettiest little thing you ever saw. She was a doll. And she came to me one night, Risa did, and said, Daddy, she said, I'm not sure I'm saved. Well, I said, Honey, I'm not about to give you any false assurance. That's between you and God. I gave her some scripture, and I said, you're going to have to talk to God about it and find out. And I said, here, why don't you try to pray out and see us see what's wrong. And I just backed away. She started trying to pray, and she couldn't. Why? She's lost. A lost sinner only has one way to pray. Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me. That's the only thing you can pray for. And she, she stopped, and she just started sobbing. She said, oh, Daddy, I'm lost. I said, praise God, now you can get saved. I believe you have to see yourself lost to get saved, folks. When you realize you may be standing on one banana peel, one foot on a banana peel and the other on, on the edge of hell, and you realize you're lost, you can get saved. But you're not really, really going to get saved until you realize you're lost and you're going to hell. Realize hell is real. Do you understand that this morning? Do you realize hell is real? Do you realize heaven is real? Do you realize Jesus died for you? He paid the price for you on the cross of Calvary. Just don't go on back to sleep. Don't let the spiritual light of others 
as they get them bother you. You get saved. And Christians, don't let your spiritual life go out. Relight your spiritual life this morning. And say, by the grace of God, I'm going to do, I'm going to try to visit, honest, be honest. I'm going to try to bring somebody tonight, this next week. I'm going to be honest about it. I'm going to put some effort into it this time. I want my spiritual life to be right before others. Let's stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's don't go back to sleep.